We say thank you and we welcome you to our service. And uh, um, just to let you know, we want to pray for you. So if you have um, a prayer request, those who are listening to our podcast, go to www. Wapiton New Life, that's with two N's, wapitonnewlife.org, and just leave your prayer request there and because we want to pray for you. You're joining us each week, and we want you to be feeling part of our family here at our church. This morning, I am going to speak about praise. And what I want to talk to you about is that we need to praise Him for His great love. Praise him for his great love. Amen. John, um, I'm just a little hot. Can you bring me down just a little bit, Andrew? Um, John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21. We are going to talk about, thank you, uh, the new birth. The new birth. And I hope that some of you will um, find that in the new birth, God's love is so great for you, he can get you through any storm of life. If I was picking out a song today, I probably would have picked out Anchored in Jesus. For the storms of life I brave. And the reason why I mention that song um, is because I know some of the storms you are going through. I just can't share them all with you, but let me, uh, with everybody here, but let me tell you, whatever storm you are going through, if you anchor with Jesus, he will get you through. He knows the end of this trial, and he knows how he's going to get you there, and he's promise I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you have the creator of the universe on your side. So remember that. We are given a choice. We are given a choice because of God's love for us. God created us with a free will. This is very loving because we are not forced or coerced. God wants us to love him because we want to, not because we're being forced to. If he wanted us just to love him because we had to, he would made us like the angels. Right. He wanted people who would love him because they love him. God's desire is that everyone will be saved. But not everybody makes that choice. And if an individual makes their own choice in salvation, do they come to Jesus and receive eternal life? Or do they choose hell and eternal separation from God? That's the choice people are given. Because Jesus died for us, we can choose the new birth, to be born again, to have a relationship with God, and have our sins forgiven, and receive eternal life. Isn't that good news? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this message today, and I thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you know our needs. I thank you, Lord, 
that you know just what we need. I thank you, Lord, for your sweet Holy Spirit. And I thank you that Jesus died for us. Lord, I thank you that you would let your anointing just sweep over this place. And Lord, that you would only let me say the words that you would have me to say today. I thank you, Lord. Oh, for the anointing and the healing you want to bring. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for bringing revival in Jesus' name. And all God's children say, Amen. Amen. Let's go over to John chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. Um, I know that goes up there, but if you have your Bible open there in case technology goes down, you have it and I can keep on preaching. Amen. John chapter 3. Hallelujah. Now when, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Notice this here, what he's saying. Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God. There's a lot of people who know Jesus came from God, but they don't choose to follow him. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Coming, seeking from Jesus. God's love is what Nicodemus was doing. He says to him in verse 2, We know you are a teacher who comes from God. And yet when it comes down to Good Friday, that Thursday night before Jesus is taken to the cross, what is the ruling class of the Jews doing? We know you are a teacher sent from God because nobody can do the things you do. And yet the high priest said, oh, it would be better for one man to die for all the people than all the people to suffer. He didn't know that he was being prophetic. And isn't that the truth? Jesus came so that we could live. I got into an interesting conversation on Facebook because the Pope did something again. Uh, and, and I said, I am so glad this man does not speak for all Christians. Because he just went ahead this week and said that evolution and the Big Bang agree with the Bible. Well, I couldn't help myself. You see, the problem is with the problem is when you lift up man to be almost equal with Christ, this is the problem you get. Now, John Paul, when he was going under to have an operation, talked about theistic the uh, evolution, so this opened up the door. Oh, yeah. But Benedict, who, the one who just resigned not long ago, he went ahead and clarified, we believe what the Bible says about creation. 
This pope goes ahead and says, the Big Bang and evolution go hand in hand. So, you know what that tells me? I'm sorry, Judy. I know the Bible says you were made in the image of God. Women and men were made in the image of God. But I'm sorry, Judy. When God created Eve, she was just a single-cell animal. And so if that is the image of God he created us in, that means God must be a big amoeba in the sky. That's not what the Bible says. And, and I'm sorry to tell you this, Danny, but you're not as special as you thought you were. And yet this person who started having this conversation with me says, oh, this makes me feel even more special. How in the world? Well, and then I went ahead and looked up who <laughs> she is, and it's like, oh, this kind of makes sense. At first I thought I was dealing with a young millennial. No, I wasn't. But that's okay. And she made some assumptions that I was just spewing what my leaders have been telling me all these years, and I'm afraid to get out of their mold. I said, boy, you assume too much. But Danny, you're not as special as you thought you were. Because in order for evolution to work, when God created Eve in his image, but then he says, oh, I can do better, and to get to you, you are now just a mutant. And mutation doesn't work, by the way. Every time we try to, to figure, every time we find a mutation, it dies. Isn't that interesting? So mutation doesn't work. But that's, that's how they say evolution worked. We mutated over time. We needed to have two arms, so we mutated them. Did you see in the, in the news, they put it, they've been out all over the web, here is our ancestor. They've shown it swimming, a picture of it, how it lived in the sea, and it's the ugliest fish with all these rows of teeth, several rows of teeth that you've ever wanted to see. And they said, this is man's ancestor. So Adam and Eve were created as fish in the Garden of Eden's in the sea someplace. You see the problems with that? No, God loved us so much that Jesus knelt and formed Adam and then Eve out of the dust of the earth. The only difference with Eve is he took a rib from Adam's side and built her around the rib. That's probably why she's better looking than Adam. <laughs> Unless you're Eve and then she'll say, no, he's the better looking one. That's why we're all in this trouble because all she had to do is bat her blue eyes at him and he just bit that apple without thinking. <laughs> Men's been, man has been doing that ever since. And yet it was Adam's responsibility to keep them from sin and guard her and keep her safe. People are hungry for what is real love. They are. They are so hungry for what is real love. But right now they are seeking love in all the wrong places. Look at a, I, oh my word, 
Look at our country right now. Did you ever imagine we would have this many globalists in our country? Did you ever think that I saw a sign? One world, one humanity. This is one of the protesters we're carrying. Now, yes, you're right. Not all of them know what they're doing, and not all of them even know why they're protesting. But you've got the, I, I, there's days where I turn on Facebook, and it's like, uh-oh, wrong hour, I came here the wrong hour. Haven't you seen that? You, you turn on Facebook, and you just came in at the wrong time because everybody's up in arms. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, I'll be back in an hour. Guys, just have your fun, and I'll be back in an hour. Because it's so ridiculous. And I don't care what side you are on. If you love Trump or you hate Trump. I don't care. Some of it is over the top. What the church needs to do is say, hey, we voted for a platform. We're going to make you stick to the platform. And we're going to stand up for the platform. But most of all, we're going to stick up for Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, we need to better start lifting up Jesus and telling people how to find his love so they can find the real love. Because they're going in the wrong place. Why do you think that opiate usage is up right now? Why do you think that the opiate use that we've had over... I forget, 50 million, it was, I think it was, 50 million people died last year from opiate use. Why are they using opiates? Because they're wanting to escape the pain they're in. Why are they in pain? Because they don't know the love of God. And I'm not talking about back pain. I'm talking about spiritual pain. I'm talking about emotional pain. I'm talking about the hopelessness they are feeling. And we as Christians have the answer. Somebody put out a humorous um, um, quip about a televangelist. And this is a, and, and um, I thought, oh, it's very funny. But this is, yeah, on Facebook. But this is the wrong place to be doing this. Because there's non-Christians here. And so I mentioned, I said, we Christians, we have a problem. If we have a problem, and I'm talking to a preacher now, and I said, if, if we have a problem with a preacher, I never mention them by name. I will preach against the wrong thing that they're talking about, but I won't attack them personally. I said, we need, if we lift up Jesus, people will get saved. But if we attack one another in public, the lost will stay lost. And somebody else says something, and they go, guys, it's just a parody site that I got this from. I know, but that parody site, people will take as fake news. They said something else, and I went to check out the story, and they had no facts to back them up. So if you don't have any facts, like a lot of the stuff is in the news media when they put it out there. It's fake news. They can't give you facts and details. It's fake news. Why do they spend all this time complaining about all these other things and they don't tell us about billionaires like George Soros and the things he's doing to cause problems in this country? And I can give you all the facts because he's paying for it. Why doesn't the news go after him? 
Oh no, let's keep them distracted because people are just stupid cattle. We need to grasp the truth of the Word of God. And we need to stand up for the truth that Jesus saves. Because I'll tell you what, you know what millennials want? They want the real truth. And they want the real truth about facts that are going on around them. Because if we will grab a hold of the real facts and the real truth, we can tell them then about Jesus. We are living in the most spirit. Our country is more spiritual now, but they're not following Jesus. I can be spiritual. I don't have to go to church. I can just stay at home and be spiritual. But Jesus said, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit said, don't neglect the assembling of yourself together. Why? Because if the devil can separate us, we're weaker. But when we come together as the body of Christ, we are strong. Now, like every family, we have problems. One of our brothers came in this morning, right when we were shaking hands, and he wanted to shake my hand. I'm here, big smile on his face. I want to shake your hand. I said, no, not yet. And, and he, his face fell a little bit. Every family has problems. What? You don't want to shake my hand? I says, no, i got to fix something first. He was a little disheveled. He didn't know when he got his coat off, he got a little disheveled. I was looking out for him because I, he's a good-looking guy in our church. <laughs> and so I said, let me fix this first. And then I shook his hand and put my arm around him. And then his smile was back. But you see how families do these kind of things. Brothers, get into it once in a while. <laughs> and don't get me talking about them sisters. <laughs> That's why we need to be pleading the blood over each other. But Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. Boy, I'm not know if I'm going to get through this. Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to him, you know, he said, we know you're a teacher sent from God because nobody can do what you can do. And instead of Jesus going, yeah, thank you. Instead of Jesus going, thank you. Oh, I am something. No, 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 no. He saw right through everything, doesn't he? Oh, Jesus, I love you so much. I praise you. You're such a great God. Hallelujah. And Jesus says to us, um, I'm, can we talk? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus always gets to the heart of the matter. John 3, 3. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And Nicodemus says, wait a second, how does this work? That's what he says in 3.4. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born again when he's old? 
Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? How does that work, Lord? And Jesus said, <laughs> I can just see Jesus just shaking his head. I don't think he rolled his eyes at this point. He just shakes his head and goes, okay, I'm going to help you out here. He goes on in verse 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know, Jesus' answer <laughs> in verse 9, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Let me, go, let me back. Jesus explains to him, are you surprised? You must not be surprised that I say to you, you must be born again. We have heard those words said to us over and over for decades in our country. Dr. Billy Graham, that was all he preached. You, I don't care what chapter verse he was in. I don't care what series he was doing. I don't care what town he was in. Be it Budapest, or Minneapolis. He preached, you must be born again. And that's what this generation needs to hear once again. And he says, don't be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. And then he explains, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's talking about water. That's why he's talking about wind. He's using all the imagery of the Holy Ghost. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Can you control the wind? Do you know where it's coming from? Wow. Sometimes we think we can put the Holy Spirit into the, a box. By the way, we're going to start acting like Pentecostals around here. Jason's been working hard to get us there in worship. <laughs> But somebody here today was very strong in my spirit, had a message in tongues, but you were afraid to do it. I don't know who it was. Oh, but, but that's Mickey's job. That's Joanne's job. No, that's every one of us' job. The Holy Spirit can get a hold of any one of us. My, my assistant minister in Maine, he said, the first time the Lord used me like that, it was at Full Gospel Businessman, and we had a guy running Full Gospel Businessman. He wanted everything like clockwork. Boom, 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 boom. We have to be out of here an hour. It's lunchtime. We got to get going. So, so hold down on those gifts during the, serve, during the time we're together. We can do that some other time. You can do that at church and stuff. Well, Russell, 
He's, he's there, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God, I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God came on Russell, he couldn't help himself. But the Spirit of God got a hold of him, and he had a message in tongues to give. And, 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 and he's trying, he was told, and he knew that the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And so he, I said, he says, I grabbed a hold of the seat. I hold, grabbed a hold of that chair so I wouldn't pop up. I just held on. My knuckles were going white. And all of a sudden, I couldn't help myself. And it just went boom. Because the Holy Spirit wanted it out there with the interpretation. And you know what? They still got done on time. <laughs> but let me tell you something. A gentleman came up to him. He says, I've been so going through such a hard time. I was ready to give up. But that message from the Lord was what? I needed. This is after the service, the, their lunch was over with. It's exactly what I needed. I feel such a release. God has, I know, has answered my prayer. So somebody here, God was touching. Don't be afraid. The devil will keep you afraid from using your gifts. Don't be afraid to let God use you. And don't worry about what it sounds like. You don't know what you're saying anyway when you're giving a message in tongues. It's not until you get the interpretation. And don't worry if you have the interpretation or not. Let me tell you something. There's others here who can interpret what the Spirit says as well. It doesn't have to be Joanne interpreting her own message. It can be anybody interpreting if they get it from the Holy Ghost. In fact, it's more effective that way. What do you mean, Pastor? I'll tell you why. Because if Tim gives a message in tongues and Jason goes ahead and interprets it, people are going to say, wow, how did Jason know what Tim said? It's going to emphasize it with the Holy Ghost. I was in church once where somebody got, gave a message in tongues. I didn't know what they were saying, but it was in perfect French. I didn't know it was in French. Tongues is just a known, is a, some known language you never learned. That's all it is. Gave a perfect message. Somebody got up, didn't know French, didn't know what he was. Gave the whole interpretation. It was a man from France. Got saved that day because of what was said. Because the interpretation was completely correct. He went and he talked to both men to find out, did you guys study French? I was speaking French. What? That was French? I thought that was just tongues. <laughs> You can't control the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit who comes. You see, all we have to do is witness. The Holy Spirit does all the rest of the work. Amen? Amen. Well, Nicodemus still doesn't get it, verse 9. Don't we get that all the time, Jason? They still don't get it. We explain and we explain and they still don't get it. Well, Nicodemus, a teacher, no less. He still doesn't get it. He goes, he says to him, in verse 9, how can these things be? And Jesus goes to answer. Jesus answers in verse 10. Are you the teacher of Israel? Do not know these things? Hmm. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know. And testify what we've seen. And you do not receive our witness. 
If I have told you earthly things, you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Hmm. i sorry, I messed you up, didn't I? Oh, okay, good. Jesus' answer here is like he is talking to an American who has grown up with all the Christian media who hasn't paid attention. He says, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things. <coughs> and that's why we, I, I had this interesting conversation with a lady who says she believes in the Bible and she believes in science and she's never felt so special. So then I decided I was just going to preach Jesus. You see, the best to everything is preach Jesus. I don't need to win my argument. Besides, don't do a lot of arguing on Facebook because there's not enough room to do it. <laughs> I see some of you smiling at me. You know what I'm talking about. It don't pay to argue on Facebook, especially with somebody you really, really don't know. So just start, I had to do this the second time I've just started preaching Jesus. And he either gets them to question things or shuts down the argument real quick. Her answer was, well then. <laughs> and all I cared about was her soul. I did go to her Facebook page to find out her background, and then I said, oh, okay, a lot of this is starting to make sense. This is why we need to reach out, not just to the unbeliever, but those who say they believe. Because not everybody understands, just like Nicodemus, what the Bible has to say. Now I want you to notice verse 11, the secret to witnessing. And it's so simple. I've been trying to tell you, you guys get, you get all apprehensive, I know, because we all get that way, right? Oh, pastor wants us to go out witnessing, Ooh, I want to go do it, but knees start knocking, you know? They're saying, boy, I didn't know you could keep a beat like that. But look at what, look at, look how simple witnessing is according to Jesus, verse 11. Mm. Uh, most assuredly I say to you we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you don't receive our witness that's how simple witnessing is you don't need to be a theologian and you don't have to have the whole book memorized you don't even need to know John 3.16. You don't even need to know the Romans wrote. All you need to do is what Jesus says. Verse 11 again. We speak what we know and testify what we have seen. What do you know? What has Jesus done for you? What have you seen? What Jesus has done for you. That's all you need to know. And let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. 
Paul says some plant, some water, and someone else gets to reap. All you need to do is give what you know. It's that simple. Stop letting the devil make you feel like you're not good enough. Oh my word. What you are going through right now could be the greatest testimony of your whole life to share with somebody how God has gotten you through it. Or how God has kept you from grabbing your shotgun and taking care of the problem yourself. Aren't you glad God has kept you from it, Tim? <sighs> oh, hallelujah. Don't we all feel that way sometimes? Hmm. Right now we're going through this thing where this land is your land, this land is my land, I got a shotgun. So you, never mind. <sighs> I'm dating myself. Everybody grew up in the 70s knows the rest of that story. Hmm. Remember what Jesus said, we're supposed to be good to the stranger in the land. Why? So that we can get them saved. Right? That doesn't mean that God didn't build walls either. What did he tell Nehemiah to do? Be good to the stranger, but build that wall. That sounds opposite. But a lot of things in the Bible are opposites, isn't it? But they still agree. Amen? The Son of Man must be lifted up. Verse 14 and 15 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not, what? Perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, hallelujah. That's how you become born again. It's that simple. That anyone who believes may have eternal life. Isn't that good news? All you have to do is believe. You don't have to run through a hoop. You don't have to bash your head through a wall. You don't have to give a million dollars to get to heaven. All you have to do is believe. Why do you mention that? Because the cults will have you do all sorts of things to earn your salvation. And all God says is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be Saved. Is that not what Romans says? Isn't that what the Holy Spirit tells us? And then God declares his love here in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, isn't it? Isn't that what it says? That he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, folks, this verse is the key to opening up everything from Genesis to Revelation. This is the scripture that the whole Bible sits upon. It is like the fulcrum to your teeter-totter. It balances everything out. 
This verse is the key to opening everything from Genesis to Revelation. This is, is why God does the things he does. This verse is the demonstration of his love, sending his own son to die for you. What did Paul say about this verse? But God demonstrated his love for you that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice so we could have eternal life. Can you say amen? amen. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Oh, glory to God. I'm, I'm going to, I got to get moving. Verse 17 is one of Timmy's favorite verses in the Bible. We found that out this morning if you were in Sunday school. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. This verse right here is forgotten by too many Christians today. But this is the message we must declare. Oh my word, aren't you glad that God's not sitting up there with lightning bolts to... Right? Oh, you did it again. <sighs> he said, Christ didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. While we are in this age of grace, we need to be doing the Lord's work. We need to be getting people saved. We need to be offering them God's love. And we will see our church full. We will, re we will reach this generation for Christ. But we're going to have to show real love. That's why I brought people up front that needed to be prayed for this morning. We're one body. We're one family. We pray for each other. We're concerned about each other. I don't have time to get into... why we're praying about having a prayer meeting because there's so many needs that means Jason's going to have to sing more we must believe verse 18 says he who believes in him is not condemned but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Hmm. Whoever believes is not condemned. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already. And how do I know this? Here is the verdict. This will be the verdict that's read at the, la at the white throne judgment, verse 19 and 20. And this is condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So let me tell you something. We talked about forgiveness on Wednesday morning. We touched on it, didn't we? All right? This is the reason why you can forgive, is verses 19 and 20. 
God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord of hosts. But here's the reason why you can forgive. I know you're probably thinking, Lord, get him. Get him. But we might not see him get him in this day. But we all have to stand before Christ. Remember that. If you can't forgive, you're only hurting yourself because the other person don't care. Right? I got a brother in this room. We can fuss. We can get upset with each other. Oh, hallelujah. But when it's all said and done, we forgive each other. We've done it before. Oh, my word. One of the brothers here wanted to throw me off a roof once. He didn't say it, but I could really see it in his eyes. <laughs> but you know what? We love each other. And you know what? I think so much of him because he taught me something I didn't know. But we, we ended the day without... He never threw me off the roof. Oh, thank you, Jesus! But we forgave each other. We didn't hold it against each other because that's what guys do. I mean, we, we, we agreed that guys will just punch each other in the face and it's done with. <laughs> oh, thank God that guys are guys sometimes. Amen. <laughs> oh, glory to God. But we forgive because, you know what, it don't help to carry about unforgiveness. Now, you might not be in a place right now to forgive, but God knows you will. Oh, yeah. huh. don't, don't be letting Satan out telling you, well, you're, look at you, you're sitting there, and you can't forget. Don't, just tell him to shut up. Be under God's grace. You know what God's grace is about. He knows you'll get to that place. He'll help you get to that place of forgiveness. Right now, I'm telling you, you read some of that Old Testament stuff. You know, just read some of that Old Testament stuff. And God was, is very long-suffering with us. And he knows you're going to get to that place of forgiveness. Okay? My word. But, do, but don't take it in your own hands. Remember this verse here. God's written the verdict. If he doesn't get him now, he will at the white throne judgment. He will get them. And you will have your day in court. And God will get them. But you forgive. You let God take care of it. Because he does it better than we could ever think of. Why do you think that young man who's going to the de is on death row now, who went into that church in Bible study down in South Carolina, or was it North Carolina? Well, one of the Carolinas, South Carolina. Went in there, shot up the church after they invited him to join them and were very loving and hugged him around the neck. Why do you think they were able to forgive? The people that church forgave and it brought that whole state together. Yeah, it was a black church and this young man was full of hate and the devil. He said so in his own trial where he defended himself and now he's on death row. God took care of it. But those folks forgave and it brought that state together and brought healing. Last thing I want to talk about is verse 21 because I told you once 21, you know, we got to get to verse 21. But he who does the truth comes to the light 
that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Verse 21 really spoke all week long. It doesn't matter what you've done, God loves you. All right? But get it out in the light. Stop trying to hide it. By the way, God, Jesus said everything done in secret is going to be revealed. So it's going to be out there anyway. Let God's light shine upon it. You will come to your healing faster if you do. He who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Every time I turned on Christian TV, they were touching on this. Live in the light. Live in the truth. Doesn't matter what it is. God loves you. He, Jesus died for you. All you have to do is confess your sins, repent of them, and ask Jesus into your heart, and all's forgiven. You'll be born again. But as a Christian, John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now there he's talking to the Christian. So walk in the light. It'll help you. It'll help you. But we're so afraid. Oh, but Lord, I blew it. I don't want anybody to see it. I'm going to hide it. Listen, we all blow it. And we better not judge each other harshly because we all blow it. Because we all blow it, don't we? So we just put it out there. Okay, God. The problem is, what he's talking about here doesn't really mean that you have to come to me and the elders and say, hey, look at this thing I've been hiding. No. You get it out in the light where God can shine on it. Where you've been hiding it from him. Right. Lord, you know I keep blowing it. I'm going to let you shine the light on it. And I'm going to let you give me victory. Yeah. And that's what we need to do. That's where we say, Lord, I'm sorry. And he's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. With Jesus living in your heart, live in the light. You are not condemned because you're saved. Where is your name? Where is your name written? If your name is not written there, you've got a problem. <laughs> but if your name is written there, are you not safe? That does not mean you go around saying, I can, then I can continue to sin that grace may just abound. God forbid. Hallelujah. No. If your name is written in the book of life and you blow it, guess what? All you have to do is go and shine God's light on whatever you blew. There you go. And he will forgive it and he will cover it with the blood. But the devil will keep you stuck. And that's why this verse is so great. And that is what love is all about. Listen, your child comes to you. 
Mommy, I went ahead and I broke your favorite thing in the whole wide world. I took it, I smashed it, and then I did a dance on it, and I threw it in the oven, and then I took what was left, took it outside and buried it, and you'll never see that favorite thing again. And you take the child and you kill him, right? <laughs> I don't think so. You pull your hair out, <laughs> but you love the child and you say, why did you do that? And then you help the child to change their behavior so they don't destroy your next favorite thing. Because the next favorite thing could be your husband or your wife, and you don't want that. <sighs> why do our children test us? Bill Cosby said about his wife, Bill Cosby said about his wife, she once was a beautiful woman. And then we had children. <laughs> oh, praise God. We love our children no matter what they do. Why, doesn't, why do we think that God doesn't love us more? If we who do evil know how to do good, how much more will our Heavenly Father Love us. Is that not what Jesus said? And no matter what you're going through this morning, God wants to show you his love. Amen? As we um, give out the elements here this morning, the New Life Singers are going to sing, Send the Light to challenge us to share our testimony. But as we take communion, I have a challenge for you.